Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Verity Vitamins. And in this episode, something has happened that has happened before, and it's not uncommon, and will probably happen again in the future. And that is uh, the series that I have been in on Verity Vitamins. I thought I was going to end last week with part four, and as I was studying, I realized that I still had more on my heart about it. And I had more that I wanted to uh, share about that subject that the Lord, I believe, impressed upon me to share. And and so today I'm going to do part five of this series, uh, The Fear Factor. And what we've been talking about is the difference between the fear of the Lord and the fear of man. And so uh, I want to get into something today uh, entitled The Secret of the Lord. When we're talking about the difference between the fear of God and the fear of man, there's something that was brought to my attention. And actually, on the day that I'm recording this, it is March 25th. And the psalm of the day is Psalm 25, which is where our primary text is going to come from. Um, in Psalm 25, 14, it says this, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Uh, I believe the Hebrew in this actually reads, his covenant is to show them or to let them know. And he went on to say, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Let me read this to you in the NIV. It says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Now, what we've been talking about is how the fear of man brings a snare. Uh, Thomas the Train is already saying amen. We're only just a few minutes in. It must be good. That's all I'm saying. It's not me. It's God if he's good. But it, uh, that you know, if God's in it, then it's good. Praise the Lord. And we're reading the word, so we know he is. Um, he will release my feet from the snare. So what we've been talking about is being released from the snare of the fear of man. And how does that happen? By trusting in the Lord, by fearing the Lord, by putting our confidence in the Lord. And he says here that the Lord confides in the one that fears him. His secret is with the one who fears him. Now, we'll, we'll read this verse again just to kind of go back over it. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Safe from what? The snare, <laughs> the trap that comes with the fear of man. Uh, fearing man leads you into a trap, into a cage, into bondage. And the fear of the Lord, trusting in the Lord, keeps you safe from that, sets you free from that. And so... In talking about being ensnared, talking about being trapped because of the fear of man, I thought about something that happened to Jesus. And we're going to get into this in regards to the secret of the Lord. Uh, the Lord confiding in a person. The Lord sharing things, showing things to somebody because they reverence him, because they fear him. Look at this in Luke 11 verse 52. He said, woe to you lawyers. <laughs> now, now, let's just say this. He's not talking about lawyers in the sense that we understand lawyers. Uh, he's talking about people who are doctors of the law of Moses. 
Um, it is kind of interesting, though, some of the language that is used because it does connect to our modern day understanding of lawyers. But, uh, you know, some people might take this verse to have a problem with lawyers. No, uh, there are godly, spirit-filled, anointed uh, men and women of God who practice law and they're good at it and they're led by the Spirit. I know some of them. And so don't use this verse to come against lawyers. But in this case, Jesus is saying, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. The key of knowledge. Why is that significant? What is the key of knowledge? Well, what does a key do? It unlocks something. And he said, The key of knowledge. Um, in talking about the secret of the Lord, this has to do with intimacy, uh, intimate knowledge. Now, uh, we, th- we understand that in a certain way because the Bible says that Adam knew his wife Eve, and yes, there's a natural application to that, but it's deeper than that, especially when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. There's a, a trust here. There's a, a confiding in, a vulnerability with, an intimate knowledge Um, I'm more free with you than I am somebody else. I'll tell you things that I won't tell somebody else because you have respect and reverence for me and I trust you. And and there's a mutual trust in this, this knowledge, this intimate revealing, this intimate understanding, this hidden wisdom. The Bible uh, talks about hidden wisdom and things that the Lord reveals to those that he trusts and that trust in him, that fear him. And so you could say this is the inner circle, <laughs> the inner circle, you know, uh, you know, uh, Jim, you're back in the inner circle. If you get that reference, you get it. Um, but uh, he said, you've taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves and those who were entering in you hindered. In other words, you don't know the Lord intimately. You know the law you know the, the, the general things, you know the surface level things, but you never entered into this intimate knowledge, this key of knowledge that unlocks this door to the secret place, to the secret knowledge. You understand? That's what he's saying. You didn't enter in and you tried to hinder other people from understanding the heart behind it. You see what he's saying here? There's an intimacy, there's a reverence that gains you access into not only knowing God's law, but his heart and his ways. And so he said, you hindered those who were entering in. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently, and watch this, and to cross-examine him about many things. Now that's interesting to me because that is lawyer language. That's courtroom language. And they began to cross-examine him and lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. See, this is the job of a prosecuting attorney is to take something that you said and twist it and to wait for you to say the wrong thing the wrong way and to use it against you. This is why we have... You know, police officers read people their rights and they, and they say you have the right to remain silent because everything you say or do will be used against you in a court of law. And, and so they're trying to ensnare him, to trap him in his words so that they can accuse him with his words in response to what he just said. So there's a pressure here on him to talk. There's a pressure on him to respond. This is what 
a lot of times lawyers will do in a courtroom is put pressure on somebody, ask them a bunch of questions and try to, to get into their emotions, to get them to respond and try to defend themselves and then try to say the wrong thing that they can use against them. And this is how the enemy is. Now, again, I'm not comparing lawyers to the enemy. Don't misunderstand me. There are good lawyers. In fact, Jesus is our advocate. He is our uh, defense attorney, you could say. And so, and again, I'm not saying just because somebody's a prosecutor or defending, that makes them right or wrong. You understand? Hang with me here. These are spiritual things I'm talking about. But in the Amplified Bible, it says this, As he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees followed him closely. I thought that was interesting. They followed him closely. This was modern day, you know, they were stalking him on his Instagram. <laughs> they were stalking his face. They're trying to find something. Just like with Daniel, you know, they're, they're trying to find something. They're following him closely. They're examining. They're looking. What, 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 where can we find something here that we can use against him? And it says, They began to be enraged with and set themselves violently against him to draw him out and provoke him to speak of many things. See, the Bible says that in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. And it says, They were secretly watching and plotting and lying in wait to seize upon something he might say, that they might accuse him. This is what the enemy does. This is why we have to understand the importance of our words. Um, the enemy is always trying to trip us up in our words. James talks about how if any man offends not in tongue, he is a perfect man and able to control the whole body. It's important what we say. Um, the enemy wants to trip us up in our words. And so don't neglect... Uh, keeping a hold on your words or controlling your words. And actually, we'll, we'll, in Psalm 34, it talks about if any man wants to see good days and live a good life, let him keep his tongue from evil. And so our words matter. Our words are important. In the Passion Translation, it says, All that Jesus said enraged the religious leaders and experts of the law, and they began to oppose him furiously. They harassed Jesus all the way out the door, and it says they argued over everything he said, wanting nothing more than to find a reason to entrap him in his own words. You know, an evidence of fearing man is a panicked or reactive attempt to defend yourself. I'm going to say that again. An evidence of the fear of man is a panicked or reactive attempt to defend yourself. Well, well, that's not what I said. I know what I, 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 I just this this panic, this no 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 that's not your twit no it, this you see this rushed panicked desire attempt to defend yourself that's fear of man, that's fear based. But Jesus didn't respond to that. We'll see an example of that here in a minute. But look at this in Isaiah thirty verse fifteen. It says, "Thus says the Lord: In returning and rest you shall be saved in quietness and confidence." shall be your strength. Oh, come on. Why would you be quiet and confident? Because you know something. Because you've been at the inner circle meeting. <laughs> you've, you've been at the council of Elrond. Do you understand what I mean by that? You were summoned to the secret council. You know, Mary and Pippin were not, but they were there anyway. They still overheard what was going on. You were at the secret meeting. You were at the inner circle. You heard something. You saw something. You know something. And because of that, you are quiet and you are confident. You know the secret of the Lord. And when you know the secret of the Lord, you don't have to say everything you know in a desperate attempt to defend yourself. 
Are you listening to me? Just because the Lord showed you something, just because you know something spiritually about the situation or otherwise, doesn't mean you're supposed to say it. See, that's what the enemy does. He tries to take anything he can and twist it and use it to his advantage, but godly people can know something and not say anything about it. Do you see that? You can know something and hold your peace, hold your tongue. You know, Brother Hagen talked about this back in the day. He had an issue with some family members and inheritance and things of that nature. There was some fighting over some things with his mom getting a portion of the inheritance and whatnot. And he went over to try and uh, deal with the situation, try to resolve the situation. And he had a relative who, who he knew was the one trying to cause problems and take something away from his mom. And uh, he said to them, he said, you know, um, I've got some inside information on, on the subject. And the relative was like, really? And they were interested to know. But what, what they didn't know is he was talking about inside the Bible information. <laughs> but he didn't tell them that. You understand. But he had some inside information. In other words, he knew that if he would walk in love, he knew that if he did what God told him to do, God was going to work out the situation. And that was what he was referring to. That was the inside information that he had that was going to resolve the situation. And so we have some inside information when we fear the Lord about any given situation. Um, and, and when you fear the Lord, he can show you things about a situation. He can reveal things to you, and you don't have to argue with people. You don't have to fuss with people. You can be quiet and confident because of what you know. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, A fool utters all his mind, but a wise man keeps it in till afterwards. Afterwards. Afterwards what? After the pressure is over. <laughs> After the, the storm calms down, uh, you wait until you get something from the Lord. He shows you what to say. Just because you know something, just because thoughts are in your mind does not mean they're supposed to come out of your mouth. And that goes back to if any man tames his tongue, he can control his whole body. And let me say this to you. Someone who fears the Lord knows that the spiritual is more important than the natural. And what is affected spiritually is more important than what is affected naturally. So what is this key of knowledge that Jesus was talking about, this secret of the Lord? It's a key that unlocks the breakthrough in the situation. Do you see that? It's the divine wisdom, the hidden wisdom, the key, watch this, that unlocks the snare. Ooh. The key that unlocks the snare, the, the cage, the trap of fearing man, the key of knowledge is what unlocks that. Oh, man, that's pretty good. You know, like in some of these video games, there'll be like this key floating around and you go get the key and then it unlocks this thing. That's kind of what what I'm having a picture of in my heart here. And this key of knowledge, this secret is with those who fear God rather than fear man. You know, I've got people who trust me with keys to some things. I, I, I've got a key to the church that I go to. I've got a key to some people's house because they entrusted that to me. There's some trust there. They know me. And because of that, I've got a key to something that other people don't have. You understand that? I've got a key to the inner sanctum <laughs> because there's some trust. And, and this is true. Like I said, there's some things that I'll tell people that I won't tell other people, and that they'll tell me. Why? Because there's trust. There's an inner circle. Jesus had this. Jesus had an inner circle. Uh, there are things that he showed and told to James, Peter, and John that he didn't tell to everybody else. And so this is following Jesus' example to be this way, and this is how God is. I mean, obviously, because it's how Jesus was. 
Let me read this to you in Isaiah. This is where I got excited this morning. I, I'll say this. When I read this this morning, I actually got up and did a little dance in my one-bedroom apartment. And thankfully, I was on the bottom floor, not the top floor, because that may have, people may have complained. But I did a little dance when I saw this. I just got excited. It's talking about Jesus. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might, watch this, the spirit of knowledge, ooh, come on, and of the fear of the Lord. Ooh, I, I know it. I know I'm sounding like Elijah Merle. I'm not trying to, but it's just coming naturally. I, I was listening to his podcast this week. But it, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Do you see the connection between the knowledge and the fear of the Lord? And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Oh, man, come on. Uh, the Hebrew literally says quick scent, the ability to sniff things out, to smell out the truth like Sherlock Holmes, to deduce or to discern. And he'll, it'll make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. In other words, the key of knowledge, the secret is with those that fear him. And watch this part. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, nor reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove, watch this, with equity. Uh, in other words, not one-sided. He will decide with fairness, the Amplified says. And what we see in this is that there's always two sides to every story. But the person who fears the Lord will decide with fairness. They will judge with equity. And he said, for the meek of the earth, and he talked about the poor of the earth. Who are those? Those are those who can't defend themselves. Come on. You know how there are lawyers for people who can't afford lawyers? <laughs> well, that's basically what Jesus is, only in this case, he's the best that there is. He's not a budget lawyer. You understand? And it says he'll smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. But it says he'll reprove with equity. Why? Because he has this secret knowledge because of the fear of the Lord. He doesn't make a quick judgment based on what he sees and hears. Uh, let's look at an example of this and then we'll be done. I know we're kind of going long in this one. It says in John chapter 8, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and they brought this woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. You know, who is that? That's someone who can't defend themselves. They are poor. <laughs> In this instance. And when they had set her in the midst, they said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? See, they're, they're, they don't know God's heart. They're preaching the law to him. And they said this, watch this, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. They're setting up a snare. Do you see this? They're setting up, they're like Wiley Coyote, they're setting up a trap. It says, but Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Come on. He's not being pressured into talking. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now, let me just say this. This woman is very afraid of what man can do to her right now. They're about to stone her. She is in a trap. 
She is in a cage of the fear of man. But what happened? Because Jesus feared the Lord, he received the key of knowledge that set her free from the snare. Oh, man, come on. He was of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and it saved this woman's life. Why? He judged with equity for the one who couldn't defend herself. What did he say? He who is without sin cast the first stone. That's judging with equity. That's a righteous standard. That's fairness. That's fairness. Do you see that? He got the key because he feared the Lord. Man, praise God. He got the key because he feared the Lord. When you fear the Lord and he knows he can trust you with the key, his secret things will be revealed unto you. 